Hi, and welcome to LISD's Digital Dish. This podcast is hosted by Julia Frazier and Michael Vick, two of LISD's instructional technology facilitators. We will be discussing the latest digital innovations, dilemmas, and solutions for your classroom and more. We love Google, efficiency, and sharing information. Join us as we banter, debate, and discover the technology offerings of LISD and beyond. Hey, this is Michael Vick and Julia Frazier. And we are here with the, the Digital, Digital Dish. Dish. Nailed that. Yeah, we did. Welcome to our first episode of 2019. Yeah, it is January 11th, 12th, yes, 11th. 11th. <laughs> it's the 11th. 11th. And we are back well, at it. I don't it. know when they're listening. I mean, it could yeah, be on the 12th. It could be. If but we today, edit this fast enough. We are recording on the 11th. We've I hope your New Year's Eve was restful well, if you wanted if, it to be. Yeah, but. if they wanted it to be. What if they didn't want it to be restful? <laughs> I hope everybody had a restful break and uh, came back recharged and ready to tackle this second semester. Yeah. I feel good. I like yeah. it. I enjoyed it. You know, I actually had like a real break. We didn't go anywhere. We nice. just chilled. And, yeah. And I'm ready to go. I was actually kind of excited. Sean and I went to Austin to have Christmas with my family this year, but we came back and then it was really nice to have a whole week after Christmas, like a week and a handful of days after Christmas. Yeah. That was really nice. It's going to be really nice in June when we're off of school. Yes, it will be. I know it was a struggle uh, starting so early, but we're going to be real happy in a couple of months here. Yep. So we decided to do something a little bit different today. Um, I happened upon via Twitter, one of our ITF colleagues tweeted an article from Erin Integration. Nancy which, Benton. We yes. should actually say her name. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I meant to shout yeah. her out. Nancy Benton. This is, I think it's her second <laughs> shout out. It might be. Who is my work BFF. Let's get the research department on that. <laughs> she, That's you. Oh, I'm the research department. All right. I'll, I'll go through our archived episodes. She tweeted an article from Erin Integration, who we've referenced before. She's one of the educators that I like to follow. And she tweeted an article about nine teacher technology resolutions for the new year. Great idea. Which I think is a great idea. So Michael and I are kind of just going to highlight her her ideas and uh, tell you what we think about them. All right, yeah, so there's nine, and we're going to go through, we're going to name them, and then we're going to say what we think of them and what we, you know, see if we can do it ourselves. Or Exactly. So the first one that she has listed there is going to inbox zero. So her idea is that your inbox should not have any of those little bubble numbers over it, 2,345 unread messages, delete out the emails that you don't need, file away the emails that you think you're going to use in the future. Let's see where we're at right now. All right. On my phone, I had 3,483 unread email messages, and I literally saw Julia's blood pressure go up. (laughs) It gives me so much anxiety. (laughs) I am a firm believer of the inbox zero. I file all of my emails away. I only keep the emails visible in my inbox that are immediate to-dos. Otherwise, they get filed away. It actually makes my blood pressure, as Michael said, go up if I have to scroll through my emails in my inbox. If I can't see white space at the bottom of my inbox, I have too many emails in it. So I I agree that this is a great way to keep organized and to kind of declutter your life only hanging on to the things that you need. What about you, Michael? Well, well first of all, that 3,000 number that I gave, that's like a lot of personal stuff that I don't really... Because I combined my two emails on my phone. So on my iPad, I have... 13 only, and that really is basically from my end of day yesterday to today. So 
I was ridiculed for this where I had so many emails and nothing like I didn't let anything go by that wasn't important like teacher comment asked me something or whatever I didn't let anything like that go by but you know I get all these like stupid notifications about things that don't really matter a whole lot to me and so I just kind of left that there I didn't delete it or anything and that's really where all those numbers are coming from mm. so like I'm looking at these 13 right now that are actually live that I need to check because these are the only ones and like only like one of these really is is one that I should probably take a look at. You know, with uh, Louisville, at the beginning of the school year, I think they got a new mail filtering client, and you can actually now unsubscribe to emails. So that's a great way to get rid of all that junk mail to... Uh, You're just not letting me do it. <laughs> this is not that important to me. This could be your resolution or other people's uh, resolution. You can unsubscribe, <laughs> Michael. You can unsubscribe. So um, moving on to uh, New Year's resolution number two, which is, Michael, if you want to take it away. Hold on. Okay, yeah. Number two, organize your desktop or and or drive folders. So we all know, if you uh, take a look at my desktop, for example, it is a little out of control. I have all these, <laughs> all these screenshots and video edits and different file types that I'm that I'm you know in the middle of. Because you know your desktop is really good to like put something on your desktop and you have access to it pretty easily. Like if you want to move it over and convert it, or if you want to have something on your desktop and then move it into Drive, it's easier. And every once in a while, I'll go in. I'll go in through Finder, and I'll alphabetize it, and then everything that says screenshot, I'll just delete that, and that clears up most of yeah, it. Yeah, perfect. And that that really helps a lot. But also, I have I have other folders on my desktop that help me organize, and I'll, and everything kind of goes into different places. But a lot, of, I mean, I like to keep stuff. My storage isn't really an issue because um, I keep a, most of my stuff on Google Drive anyway. Yeah. Um, I think um, we've discussed this before, and you you know that I'm a firm believer of organization of your desktop or drive. In fact, at the beginning of the the new school year, we were in the office, Nancy and I were, and she was like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm organizing my drive because I like to start and have everything in a place. And sometimes as the year goes crazy, I just throw things in my drive. But I like to take a time about once a month or once every couple of months to sit down and really actively organized to make sure that everything's there and easy to follow and delete the things I'm not going to need anymore. And I do the same thing with my desktop. I only keep the things on my desktop, A, that I use all the time on a daily basis, or B, that I'm currently working on. You know, I think the time that you spend doing that, and I and I do spend a little bit of time organizing stuff. I do. I've had to since moving into this position a lot more. I spend a lot of time doing a good job of knowing how to search for things. That are in there, like I, I, I know, and a lot of people don't really, they don't realize that you can, you can search for different file types in Google Drive, and you can search, like if you're looking for a PDF, you can just type .pdf, and all your PDFs will come up. People don't realize you can do that, those sort of search strategies, and those might be like compensating for my lack of Maybe. organization. Yeah, I, I could, I could say, I could see that. Yeah. I could see that. I think it just boils down to finding an organization system that works for you yeah. so that you're not frantically trying to find things to open them. Just finding something that works for you. You know, time out. Another organization thing I do is I organize stuff on bookmarks. Like that's something a lot of teachers, they always start from, okay, where do I go? What's the website I go to? And they go like LISD.net or some basic place. And then they do like 27 clicks to get right. there. And you could bookmark your final destination and put it and organize those in folders. That I've spent a lot of time organizing because just clicking around, trying to find something is just really annoying. Most That's of. smart. That's a smart way to do it. 
Um, all right, moving on to number three, which is digitizing your lesson plans, calendars, and notes if possible. And this makes your life so much yeah, easier. Yeah, I remember um, back when I first started teaching, we did paper lesson plans. And then like my second year, I think we moved to they needed to be online. It just makes things so much easier for sharing. I think that pretty much all lesson plans should be digitized just so that you can share them with your coworkers, your teammates, your 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 admin if necessary. Talent. I, I think it's required. I don't know yeah, of I, I don't know of any school where that wouldn't be required. I would agree with that. Um, having a digital calendar, I always say I live and die by my digital calendar. If it is not on my calendar, it is not happening because yeah. I don't know that it exists. Yeah, I even made uh, made my wife and my family conform. So yeah. we have like, yeah. the Google Calendar for both. Sean and I share a calendar, um, and he has told me many times that if you don't put it on the calendar, it's not happening in our lives. So, <laughs> uh, we, you know, having it, it's just, it's portable. It goes with you everywhere. I understand. I used to be a big paper planner person um and got real satisfaction out of crossing off those mm -hmm. days did you have the big calendar on your desk no i oh, didn't I mine totally was always a paper planner and i see that i definitely was converted to google calendar just because of the ease of using it or my iCal on my iphone between my husband and i and then digitizing the notes i use google keep to keep all of my notes because it's there, and again, I can access it from any device. What about you, Michael? Well, my notes, I can't say that I have like a definitive strategy for my notes. I, I dabbled in Google Keep. I, you know, I have some things in Google Keep, like to-do lists and stuff, but really like, I don't know, I keep, I keep a lot of my notes in a Google Doc under that subject. Like I don't have a specific area for notes. I put the notes for whatever it is under that different item. Got Does that it. make sense? Yeah. So, that way, I mean, I just think that way. I don't think, oh, I'm going to go check my notes to find this. No, I'm going to go find the thing and then see if there are notes attached to it. Like, that's kind of how I And that's, I mean, this. that's still digitizing your notes. Yeah. You know, there are apps out there, too, like Evernote um, that a lot of people like to use. Of course, Evernote, the basic version for teachers is pretty limited. I think that you get a lot more out of it if you pay for it. I don't know if it's been a, like years since I've yeah. worked at Evernote, but to me it was really kind of clunky. Like I just want to write here, and it's like I gotta click and tap, yeah. and it's so weird. But they have tons of apps out there for organization. Um, I I keep to the Google ones because it's what we have. So mm -hmm. you know, I am going to be using my Google Calendar. I'm going to be using my Google Keep, um, and you know. Google Doc or Edgeforia for digitizing those lessons. All right, next one we have backup files remotely on or onto our hard drive. So you basically it's just backing up your files. And we actually had a pre-podcast discussion on this one where we talked about like how do you back up your files? And we both kind of like don't. Well, we do. We back up our files in Google Drive. Mm -hmm. And we did, and it's in the cloud and you have unlimited storage with your organizational account and it's just really helpful to have that there. Now there is there's an occasional time like when I have like an iMovie file or something like that, and it doesn't exactly save in Google Drive where you can open it up so nicely. And on those, I, I have a folder on my desktop, like if I ever needed to move over to a different device, which we had to a couple years ago, then I, I put that, I've had an external hard drive for that. But that's pretty rare. And most of the time, the stuff that you find that you're backing up, you're not really ever going to use anyway. So Whenever you do need to back up, that's a good time to like go and organize your stuff and put your stuff in your Google Drive. Yeah. And you don't need to worry about purchasing an external hard drive or anything like that. 
I think a great place to start is just to get used to saving everything in your Google Drive. Um, at the beginning of the school year, we all needed to get our new devices and our new computers. And that process was pretty painless for me because I just had to log into my Google Drive. I didn't have any I didn't have any files I needed to move in there. So that's a great place to start. Onto hard drive. It's been I'm I'm not gonna lie, it's been a while since I backed things up onto a hard drive because of cloud saving options. Right. But I used to be a huge hard drive user in college, because if your computer crashes one time, you never make that mistake again. Yeah. If not, back, backing up your files. I remember <laughs> in my in grad school. Well, not in my first grad school when I was a counseling masters. I I saved everything on a USB port on a US on a thumb drive. Yeah, and I I remember doing that. That helped. But honestly, like when we had to switch over new computers this last year, a lot of teachers they enlisted my services to help them back their stuff up. It was a tricky subject because a lot of the a lot of the thinking was, oh, I need to get my external hard drive. I need to save all this stuff, and it's like they don't really get or trust or understand anything about cloud saving. And yeah, I'm no expert in the field. I just know that whatever I put in Google Drive has always been there when I need to go to it. Right. I think it boils down to whether you're putting things in Google Drive, which you really we have unlimited storage, so I that would be a great place to start. Or backing up on a hard drive, you just need to back your stuff up because nobody wants to lose all the hard work. All right, number five, clear your cache and disable autofill on your school computer. It's a cache. <laughs> no, it's cache. Well, I don't think maybe they just put the little <laughs> cache thing. So what this is talking about is there are so many times when I see a teacher and they've got autofill on, so it fills in their username and password, or maybe credit card information. They bought something on their school before, computer before, and it stores their credit card information, maybe username and password for their banking site. And there are some username and passwords that I think are okay to store on your computer, maybe some of those teaching websites that you go to frequently. But like, you don't want your banking information stored on your computer at school or your credit card information. So just making sure that you, you turn off that autofill on those items for your safety and security. Yeah, I mean, you need to come up with a system to save your usernames and passwords. We can't get around that. And your compu if you rely on your computer just to kind of memorize all that stuff for you, then you're basically eventually going to be in for some trouble. Because yeah. you're going to need to know that stuff with, when you lose your computer or whatever. You don't want to lose those things. And so... You know, I'm going to tell you about my system, my super secret system, and I'm going to whisper, but not really whisper. So, Ooh. yeah, so here's what my wife and I do. We um, we have a spreadsheet, and, we sh and the third tab on the spreadsheet has our passwords, and it's completely unlabeled. Uh. Nothing is there. And so we have everything until just now, um, a complete secret. Maybe we'll move it to a different tab or a different spreadsheet. I'm going to break into all of your accounts <laughs> now. If you want to break into my accounts wow. and pay my student loans, you go for it. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I have my own student loan story about. Um, so, you know, just be careful about where you're saving your information. You're not going to tell us what you do? Nope, sure not. Oh, man. <laughs> my passwords are secret for a reason. <laughs> probably on a Google Keep. <laughs> I will never tell. <laughs> Uh, the next one, which I think is pretty cool, maybe one of the best goals on this list, resolutions on this get on this list, utilize a secure sharing and/or communication app 
to connect with parents. Basically a long way of saying, find a way to digitally connect with your parents. And it gives you some examples here like Seesaw, Class Tag, Blooms, Homeroom, Remind. Um, and then one that I'm going to throw in that's not listed here is for secondary teachers, Canvas. You can use Canvas to communicate with your parents. In fact, Remind, for example, on this list, I know has terms of service where you're supposed to be 18 and up. Now, parents are 18 and up, so if you're a teacher and you're only communicating with your parents, then it's probably okay. But if you're using the students or communicating both with students and parents, Remind is not okay. And that, I mean, the district has gone back and forth on this, and they're firm now where it's, no, no, you need to use Canvas. That's why, one of the reasons why we have Canvas. There's a little, you have to have parents log in as an observer for their, for their kids, and the, after we pass that little hurdle, you're there, and... Once they pass that hurdle, they're done forever. They don't need to do it like the next year. They're done. They're ready to see what's going on in those Canvas courses. And I think that's the recommended approach here with secondary. Now, elementary, you got to do your own system. What's that system, Julia? <laughs> you know, there are lots of tools that teachers use to keep in contact with their parents. I think one of the most popular ones I'm seeing across my campuses is Dojo. So using Class Dojo for um for both a behavior management system with their students, but also a powerful communication tool with parents. You can send pictures and messages, and the parents can keep track of what their child is doing during the day. A seesaw is another great way to share work with parents. Just remember that a seesaw, you do need parent permission for students to use that particular tool. But those, I think, are two of the most popular ways um, elementary is is communicating with parents. A couple years ago, my daughter's teacher, when she was in first grade, they used Blooms. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, Blooms is another good one. Blooms is kind of like a Facebook page for parents in your classroom. You know, like I said, just make, or like Michael said, just make sure you're reading the terms of service and that kids aren't joining the tool without permission if it's required or at all if they're not able to. So number seven, set an email signature. Guys, in a district as big as ours, this is so crucial that you have an email signature. I think it's important everywhere. Everywhere. Even if you're a small district. Yes, even if you're a small district, that is true. But yes, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten an email and I have no idea who it's from because there's no email signature on it. An email signature is really easy to set up in the preferences of your Outlook app. If you need help with that, ask her ITF. Michael actually even tweeted out a, a tech tip with Michael. Yeah, well, I haven't tweeted it yet. I oh. made it and I emailed it to my campuses. So if you're at Hedrick Durham at all, I'll see you have it. And he'll tweet it now. <laughs> I'll tweet it now. Yeah, I'll tweet it after this. <laughs> but um, it's really easy to do. Some basic things that you'll want to put in your email signatures, of course, your name your campus, and your grade level. I think that that is, or your content area. It's really easy. You could probably do it while holding your breath. I think we should challenge each other. (laughs) Yes. You can, of course, make your signature as fancy or as simple as you want to. Um, It doesn't need to be anything out of control, but just something that, that notifies people who you are and what your position is so that they know how to answer your questions really more effectively. Really simple, really simple, really easy. Makes you look very professional. Exactly. And it's it's just one of those got to do it. I just made that up. Got to do it. Got to do it. The next one on our list is connect with other teachers on social media. My immediate thought on this is to go is Twitter. You know, Twitter is like the professional social media of choice it seems. I mean, would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, yeah, I would. 
Uh, just go there, and you know the easiest way is probably a few people that you know of on Twitter. Follow them, and then look at who they're following, and then you boom, you got your network right yeah. there, or at least the start of one. You know, technology gurus that I like to follow are Casey Bell, Shake Up Learning, yep, Shake Up Learning, Matt Miller with Ditch That Textbook, Alice Keeler, Alice Keeler, love Alice Keeler, Super Mathy, Eric Kurtz. What about you know, this person? The person who did this resolution. Air integration. So, yeah, yes. There you, go. you know, but there's also a really great following of educators on Instagram. And you can find educators on Instagram and see the ideas of things that they are integrating in their classrooms and see the pictures and, and what they're doing. And I think that that's another unique way to kind of get in a window into educators' classrooms. And, you know, you can follow your favorite people on Instagram. I should do that. Yeah. I need to get more into Instagram. You know, I use a lot of Instagram a lot personally, but trying to funnel it more into the education realm. Again, Nancy Benton, another name dropped. She's really great about following people on Instagram that inspire her. So be more like Nancy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and our final resolution from the Aaron Integration article is use different passwords on different sites. Y'all, our world is so crazy with passwords now because the, the amount of things that you log into, and I think a really great basic starting point is don't use the same password for anything that has to do with money and then things that you're using for school. Like, I'm not going to use my bank password as the same password for my account to my Padlet website, right? I'm going to make sure that I'm using something that's completely different because I don't, if somebody breaks into my Padlet account, I'd be sad, but it's okay. If somebody breaks into my bank, that's a whole... It'd be sad and you may not be okay. I may not be okay. It's a whole <laughs> other thing. So just make sure that if somebody gets a hold of a password for your educational stuff, they can't use it anywhere else. It's kind of where I think is a great starting point. Yeah, I mean, you can get into the personal private conversation here too. Like you can have like a personal password for your personal things and then a private password for your you know, your school things. and I mean, it, it can, you know, you could, you can have like a little pattern for yourself, but I, I agree. Having different passwords for different things is definitely, sometimes you're even forced to, like it's not right. even yeah. like a choice. Yeah, you, you have to. Um, and of course, you know, I always hear that the most common passwords are password and one, two, three, four, ABCD. or four, three, two, one. Your password doesn't have to be overly complicated, but it should be something unique and special so that somebody just can't guess it. And you could do little things to make it a little bit more protective. Like instead of I's, put a 1. Instead of like an L, put an exclamation mark. You right. know, little things like that that you can still remember that common word that you're doing, but do little characters like that to help it be a little bit more private. Absolutely. So that concludes what's on the article, and we're definitely going to link it in the in the show notes if you want to read more information. But we thought it was a great way to kind of kick off 2019. Michael, do you have any technology no, resolutions? I was going to ask you first and then branch off of you. Okay, well, I will go then. Because I don't have one yet. It's like when you're ordering at a restaurant. <laughs> I'm... Come to me last. I'll know what it is I'm getting when you get to me, that I, which I'm famous for that. I always say, come to me last. Good to know. Yes. I think that every teacher should find a technology tool that they haven't used before and try it out this semester. Every teacher? Every teacher. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. You're not going to meet that goal. 
No, it's not just a goal for me. It's a goal for everybody. Got it. Okay. Learn something new when it comes to technology that will enhance student learning. Not just for you, but that will enhance your student learning and try it out. And it doesn't have to be something new all the time. If you find one thing and stick with it the whole semester, that's a great goal. All right. That's good. But you didn't give me anything to go with. I'm sorry. But I've been thinking independently <laughs> about something anyway. So we actually kind of touched on it earlier. So the Tech Tips with Vic, I just did number seven. But I want to try to do that every single week. I started it at the back end of last year. I'm sorry, the back end of last semester. But I want to continue doing that every week because I think it's a great little starter conversation. It's like reminding people, I'm here, come and let me help you. Yeah. And then that way I can help teachers reach those tech goals without, you know, telling them exactly what tech goal to do. That's perfect. And we hope you guys have had a great start to 2019. Oh, wait, hold on. I forgot oh, to tell you. I don't know what? if you checked. Like, so in Podbean, it gives us statistics on uh -huh. how many people. We just passed the 100 downloads mark. What? Yeah, we're actually like, yeah. Celebrate. We're at like 107 or something like that, That's which is really like 97 cool. us and then 10 others. But <laughs> I hope not. I hope there's like some sort of closet person out there. I think so. I Three years from now, when we have like a huge following, we're going to yeah. think about this. They all start small, y'all. They all start small. So... That's exciting. Well, we're going to go ahead and sign off here. Have a great rest of your January. and Yeah, enjoy 2019 because yeah. it only happens once. And this is the last time in our lifetime we'll ever be in years in the teens. Okay. Well, we don't know that. There could be some sort of like life-continuing potion. Okay. Let's I'm counting on that. I'm hoping. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Happy 2019. Later. Bye. Bye.